Howdy folks, Rob Noxious, Drunk Noxious, back again. I tried to do this a couple of days ago, but I just haven't felt up to it. So, here we go. I haven't done one in a while because I needed time to think. And also time to get away. And also I was sick. So there's that. Today I want to talk about beginnings, endings, middles. And also a few unrelated, kind of weaving in and out. But the theme of that is about moving on. And I'm going to make this personal today. This is not going to be like a history lesson or anything like that. This is about just thoughts I've had about my life, about just things that are going on. The one thing that a lot of people don't deal with is endings. And that goes to death. It goes to pain. It goes to loss. It goes to suffering. You know, I've been hospitalized twice now. And, you know, when you're in there and you're in a lot of pain, you just feel weak and, you know, you're not feeling good. Yeah, you start thinking about that. And it's, you know, Steve Jobs said it himself. Knowing that one day I'm going to die is the perfect motivation to do today what should have been done yesterday. He said, you know, you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you should ask yourself, am I okay with what I'm about to do? And if the answer is no too many days in a row, then you know you need a change. But people are averse to change. You know, they say, you know, the American people say, we want to change. And then Obama stood up and said, okay, well, hope. Here's some hope, here's some change. And then Obama cha tried to change things and everyone flipped their fucking lid and said, no, we don't want that change. And he's like, well, what change do you want? We want changes in healthcare. Okay, well, we changed healthcare. Well, we didn't want it done that way. Uh, I get that. But at the end of the day, this is what we felt was the best change. You have to realize you can't just give away healthcare. That's the problem with a lot of people today. No, we're changing tactic. Let's not talk about death today. <clears throat> the theme of today is the problem with the future. It's the problem with the current climate, the current political climate. I recently just lost a contract. I'm still employed, but I'm no longer doing any work until I can get a new contract, a new project. So I have to move on. I have to change. And it's uncomfortable because, you know, I've been working that job for four years now, over four years. And you, you get comfortable. You know, you have a set time you get up, you have a set job, you know exactly what you're doing, you know who your colleagues are, you know who your boss is, you know how much money you're getting paid next week, you know you know how much your bills are, you know how much you're spending. I mean, it, it really just all boils down to comfort. And people have gotten too comfortable in this country. So I'm going to lay out a few terms so that down the line you'll understand what I'm saying. If I ever refer to the HOA, that is what some people call the deep state. 
the unelected bureaucrats who literally make most of the decisions in Washington, or the unelected, uh, what you would call staffers in Congress, who they're always there regardless of who's actually sitting in the seat. Because at this point, a representative for a local district is nothing more than a glorified uh, mouth. That's all they are, is just a mouth. Some of them are quieter than others. Some of them are more in tune with their constituents than others. And some of them are just loud mouth. The problem with the current climate is, let's go back to 1800. You know, America had just had a, America went through its first real uh, presidential election where there was a real transfer of power. It wasn't uh, just Washington handing it over to his, his uh, you know, politically aligned friend, John Adams. It was going from Adams to Jefferson, and Jefferson and Adams did not get along. In fact, <coughs> it was said that if a certain person became president, incest would become normal, and there would be violence and crime in the streets. And you think 2016 and 2020 was bad. American elections are always nasty, is what I'm trying to say. But here's the big problem with today. In 1800, if you wanted to vote, you had to get on a horse, leave your farm, and travel however long the distance was to the nearest voting precinct, which was usually a city large enough to justify sending representatives to. And the state because the states hold the elections, not the federal government. The state would send representatives to a large enough city to justify sending it to. You'd go up, <coughs> you'd, you'd, you'd go in and you'd register with uh, the, the, the clerk <coughs> to make sure that you're uh, you know, a tax-paying citizen because only taxpayers get to vote. Well, it used to be. And then after that, you would go up on the stage and you'd, I'd go up on stage and say, my name is Robert Clark and I vote for Donald Trump. And then you'd walk, they'd, the people behind you would write down your vote and your name. And then you'd turn around and walk down the stage and the person after you come up and say, I'm Sally so-and-so and I vote for Biden. And there'd be cheers for booze for whoever everyone's voting. The thing was, you had to do it in front of everyone. You had to vote in front of everyone. Everyone knew where you stood on the record. Pure, complete honesty. Sometimes um, certain candidates <clears throat> would send representatives to the precincts with some liquor, and some beer, wine. Say, yeah, you should vote for uh, John Hancock. Well, what's John Hancock done for me lately? Would you like a beer, sir? John Hancock's all right in my book. I vote John Hancock. Mm. Damn good swill. This obviously was easy to rig, and then not only that, some people would wait to vote until almost the whole town had voted, and then however the town voted, they went along with the town. You see what I mean? 
and this is the problem that's been with any sort of public voting <clears throat> like this. I mean, the Roman Republic had this problem where the rich and powerful would vote for a certain way because they were the first ones to vote. And everyone else around them kind of got the picture, if you know what I mean. It's don't vote against me. I know where you live. You owe me money. So if you voted against your patron who you owed money to, they might come to collect that debt a little earlier than expected and a little more rough than wanted. And just imagine you vote differently than everyone else in the town. They're going to whisper about it. Hey, did you hear that Rob voted for Trump? Yeah, I can't believe you would do that. Oh, my God, that's awful. These days, everyone is up front and talks about it in the open anyway. My generation is very open about their politics. But when we went to the secret ballot about 50, 60 years later, you would write down on a piece of paper who you voted for. You would then fold it in half and carry it to the clerk who would then open it back up, stamp it, fold it back, and put it into a locked box. And only you and the clerk really knew who you voted for. And that was the first secret ballot. Later, secret ballots were, it was stamped before you wrote down your vote. You'd fold it and put it in a box and walk out. <clears throat> and then they'd stamp your hand to show that you voted. The idea was you couldn't leave the precinct without a stamp because after the stamp, you couldn't go to another precinct and vote twice. You see what I mean? We don't have to worry about these days because everything's electronically recorded. I could vote five times and only one of them would count. And actually, they'd probably show up my door and take me to prison for vote fraud. And now we have mail-in ballots. And see, that's the thing. In 1800, you had to hop in your horse and go to the next town over. And, you know, hopefully your, your farm would be safe while you were gone, which is why voting was very low turnout in the agricultural period of the United States. Some people just didn't want to travel, and some people didn't want to leave their farms undefended. Um, they usually, mo some people would wait in, uh, until they had someone to protect the farm while they were off taking care of uh, their civic duty. <clears throat> Which is why it's the second Tuesday in November because that is two weeks after the latest you could harvest. And then not only that, it's a Tuesday because, well, Sunday was the day of God, so you can't travel on Tuesday on Sunday. But you'd travel Monday, and then on Tuesday you'd get a bright and early vote, hop on your horse, and go back home. Be home by maybe Wednesday at the latest. These days, that is lost to the most American population. I've asked, that's a great trivia question. I've actually, um, a lot of people think I should probably run a trivia on that, but oh well. It's a great trivia question. Why is it on a Tuesday? Well, you can't travel on Sunday. You should be in church worshiping God. And then Monday is when you would travel. <clears throat> and then Tuesday you would vote and head home and maybe be home by Wednesday. Um, and why is it the second Tuesday in November? That's two weeks after the latest possible harvest. Or is it the first Tuesday? Yeah, it's the first Tuesday in November. 
which is why it can range anywhere from the first to the eighth. <clears throat> But that's the thing. These days, you can have your ballot sent in by mail. In 1800, if you wanted to cook a potato, you had to first get some wood. You had to do a starter. Then you had to put wood on the fire, and then you had to get the fire stoked. And then you'd have to put a plate over it, and or, or put it. Or you didn't have baked potatoes. Uh, you would boil them. Uh, baking a potato was usually you'd shove a stick through it and put it over the fire, and maybe it cooked. You have to be careful though. When it gets mushy, it might fall off. And later, you'd have the hob, what the English call a hob, what we would call a, a, a wood stove, which is, you know, that old-fashioned uh, lead or steel. Uh, they call it a hob it's, or a, a sto wood stove. It's the wood on the left-hand bottom side is where the fire went, and on the right-hand side was a kind of oven. And on top were little plates, you know, what we now call a gas range or an electric range. And you had to wait. And with wood fire, you know, you don't know how long it could take. If the fire's hot enough, the potato could be done in less than 45 minutes to an hour. If, if it's, and it might burn. And if it's too low, that potato may never cook. And then we had electric stoves and electric ovens. And then we had, or we had gas. And then now we have the microwave. And now we have these specialty appliances that can actually analyze the water density and the and the pulp density and, the, and then they can determine the right temperature the right amount of time and it all does it automatically using ai and machine learning and whatever <coughs> to the point where you could have a baked potato and you know, if you throw it in the microwave for about 20 minutes on high you have a baked potato it's not as good as putting it in the oven but still not bad. I mean, you think about all the work that, that men and women used to have to do in the kitchen to cook, and you realize how little work you have to do these days. All the gadgets, gizmos, uh, little tips and tricks we've learned over the years to the point where you can have a dinner, you, have, you can have prepackaged dinners delivered to your home, put them, in the mic put them in the microwave, 30 seconds to a minute on high, boom, dinner steak dinner a lot of kids being born today will never know what a world without a cell phone that also connects the internet and can go on YouTube and watch movies and music videos and listen to music and you can record video you know family gatherings you can record whole conversations you can take pictures unbelievable amounts of pictures and then to top that all off, the damn thing can be used as a portable computer. Connect with people all over the world. Seconds flat. The level of integration that these things have in our lives is unparalleled and they're impatient and they're uninformed which is 
hilarious. The amount of information that is at anyone's fingertips today, the level of ignorance and stupidity is just unbelievable. But see, the problem is, and that's also the other problem, there is so much information, it's hard to provide a context because any two-bit idiot with a cell phone can post to the internet and can create information that other people might listen to and think is true, even if it's not. And with all these half-truths, false truths, convenient truths that only work in a certain... Like, if they say your vote counts, it does. It, it actually does count. Um, it, it, it is added. They count your vote. Uh, whether or not it matters is really the point. Your vote counts, but it doesn't matter. Because in a democracy of 330 million people, of which 169 million are actually eligible to vote, because they're of voting age and they're legitimate citizens, only roughly 150 of those actually vote. 69 million for Trump, about roughly 70 million for Biden. It's about 139, 140 million. <clears throat> and that in itself teaches you something. When they say America has 330 million people, how many of those are eligible to vote? Well, first, the first rule is you have to be an adult over the age of 18. So that drops it down to about 180 million people. 190. If you really want to be liberal with it, probably about 220 if you want to factor in uh, um, immigrants uh, who are undocumented um, or if you want to factor in people who are here on a work visa. However, the undocumented immigrants are a much larger po base population than the documented ones. But that's not the argument I have here. And at the end of the day, I don't actually care about the undocumented immigrants so much as leaving the border wide open and letting bad people in. And I'm not talking about people who, you know, they're going to go c commit a murder or commit rape. That, that, that's, you're going to have that regardless. You know what I mean? We could let in... We could give someone an H-1B visa and they could go out and commit a murder, commit a rape. The, the, the chances of a documented versus undocumented immigrant committing a murder or rape, a high-class felony, um, a violent felony, are the same, roughly. It's just there's a larger population of undocumented than there are documented, which is why the numbers are a bit skewed, because there's more undocumented than documented. And that's why you need context with information. Just like you could say America is 330 million people, but not all 330 million people are going to vote. Mainly because they're not 18, or they're not taxpayers, or they just don't vote. And that's why we need context with information. Because you could say America is a 330 million person democracy, but that doesn't matter if only 168 million are actually eligible to vote. Only half the country, over half the country, is eligible to vote. So, no one has context. And everyone's being fed that follow your dreams. What does that mean? 
Does that mean I should go to school for anthropology and then get out of college with, you know, forty to $80,000 in debt? And then where's my $80,000 year salary? I want to buy a BMW and then I'm going to get a nice five bedroom house. I'm going to have a full two acre lot and I'm going to have a huge backyard and we're going to, I'm going to get a Weber grill and a Napoleon and I'm going to get a Traeger and I'm renting a $1,700 a month apartment in downtown Austin, Texas. And I am uh, eating uh, ramen for dinner making twelve to $18,000 a year, which is the starting point for anthropology, if you even get a job in that field. And you're $80,000 in debt. <clears throat> and then they get angry because I don't have health care. What'd you study in college? Anthropology. Oh, well, that's a real income earner. And then they say, are you mocking my degree? And I say, hell yeah, you're, you, went through, you went for anthropology and expect to be driving a BMW. Buddy, you're lucky you're going to be driving a car made in the last 30 years. Unless mommy and daddy buy you a car, you're probably driving a Geo if you got an anthropology degree. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're the one who decided to study that. And it's a very interesting field. I love history. I love history. No money in it. Because you're digging up the past, literally. Who the fuck gives a shit other than you? Other than, you know, CNN, when they run out of stories on Trump, they'll be like, and today, a bunch of people found some dinosaur bones. John, what do you think? Who the fuck gives a shit? All right, moving on. Back to Trump. See, nobody gives a shit. You found some clay pot from the Mycenaean era, the Greek Mycenaean era. You'll show up as a puff piece at the very bottom of CNN. You know what's at the top? Biden and Harris visit Atlanta, Georgia over the, because of the recent issue with, uh, I guess there was some mass murder of Asian people or some shit. I don't know. I don't read the news anymore. I just, I keep noticing things when I'm on Reddit and I see things on Facebook when I log in and it's like, you know, that's the top story. I'm not going to render an opinion on that. I'm just telling you, no one gives a shit about a clay pot from 3,000 years ago. It'll end up in a museum, and you'll probably pay $35 for a whole day to go into the museum, and you're taking the girl you're interested in, and she'll be like, oh, this is cute. It's a pot from 3,000 years ago. And it's like, oh, that's pretty. Yeah, it's great, great, great. Hey, what are we doing for dinner tonight? What do you think? Should we go for Greek? And she'll be like, yeah, we should go for Greek. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we're going for Greek. We're doing it the Greek way. It's a nice pot. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. We should take a picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's take a picture. Exactly. We'll tell our grandkids about the 3,000-year-old pot. <coughs> and I'm not talking about the fun kind of pot. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> There is a growing disquiet among, among, among some people, including me, that with the confluence of information and no way of intellectually being able to sift through it, Lord knows I'm pretty smart and I have a hard time sifting through all this garbage, trying to figure out what's the truth, what isn't the truth, what's going on, what the, what the fuck are we talking about now? It gets a little difficult, and some people just turn off and say, whatever they say is probably true. They wouldn't lie, would they?
They've only lied about everything else. No, 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 no. Rack wasn't about oil. Then why are we still there? Well, we gotta fight the terrorists. Good luck with that. We're bringing democracy to the Middle East. Yeah. They were only recently a monarchy. Still have monarchies. In fact, their entire religion is centered around a monarchy. Yeah. Good luck with that. People don't understand how to think things through anymore. You know, back in 1800, something happened to you. You'd think about it. Why? The fuck else am I going to do around here? I mean, sitting here with my family and can't whip my dick out and start pounding it. Can't go out and work in the fields. It's nighttime. Can't fuck my wife. Kids are still awake. Can't eat. I just ate. We got to save food. Or I can't eat because we're about to eat. Or, you know, I got to wait to eat. You know, I've only got so much food. Can't hang myself. Kids would starve. I guess I could go out and pet the horses. But then I'm just going to be doing what I'm doing now, thinking anyway. Instead of sitting, I'd be betting the horses. These days, huh, I'm thinking. I don't like this. Let's see what they're doing on Reddit. No one really thinks on Reddit. It's a great place to be. Oh, I'm sorry. I got distracted by my phone. Forgive me. I'm sorry. See what I mean? And now for a commercial break. Sorry, not a commercial break. Pee break. <clears throat> anyway. People don't understand that they're being dragged. And I call it the grief mill, but... Now, I used to call it the grief mill. The grief mill is basically, issue comes out, something happens. People on Twitter, I call it Twitter, but tw I, I call it the multiverse. The Twitter multiverse. It's Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, whatever. The news. Everyone hammers in on that person. It's like with Cuomo. Allegations of sexual harassment from God knows when. Six months to the guy was 12. You know, he touched me when uh, he was 12. He needs to be, he needs to resign. And you're sitting there like, you're serious, right? It's sexual harassment allegations. Those should be taken seriously. But 
motherfucker's 55. And he was 12 when this supposedly happened? What 12-year-old doesn't try some shit? Exactly. It's, it's, there's no context. All they want you to do is they phrase everything. They phrase the whole argument so that you need to get angry right now. So that you'll rise up, pick up the telephone. I think Mayor Cuomo should resign. <laughs> Mayor Cuomo should resign. Women are important. Yes, they are. But 12? Now, this was from like a year or two ago. And, you know, he's not Mayor Cuomo, Governor Cuomo. He's the governor of a state. He needs to keep us. At this point, do these people like, I get it. It's 1962. And women are told to sit down and shut the fuck up. And the woman keeps it to herself. And the guy thinks he can get away with it because I'm the fucking governor. <laughs> I'm President Clinton. Why don't you come over here and smoke my cigar? But it's goddamn 2020, dude. Or 2021, fuck. It's goddamn 2021. At this point, if you're in a position of power, your hands need to be behind your back hide don't hug anyone don't touch anyone just shake their hand give them the COVID elbow fist bump whatever don't hug anyone don't touch anyone don't do anything because there are some women out there who take any sign of a man touching them as harassment because first of all they've been taught that any touch by a man is sexual and then second of all, if you're in a position of power and you just go to the media and say, he touched me inappropriately, bitch, I fucking gave you a hug. Sorry. You see what I mean? You can't come out and say, bitch, I gave you a hug. You can't do that. You can't call her a bitch. You can say, hey, dipshit, I gave you a hug. You can't do that. You just say, well, it was a hug. I'm sorry. I apologize. I've made you feel bad. Well, I think you should resign over a hug. Now, this was not a hug. He probably pinched her butt or, you know, stuck his hand in between her butt cheeks or did some other weird perverted thing. God knows with these people in power, they have such weird perversions, child sex, whatever the f donkey sex, what the fuck these people get off on. They're fucking weirdos. But if you're the governor of one of the most important states of the union, you need to keep your hands to your fucking self. Like, and then you're married. Like, I get it, you want to have an affair and you're powerful and you think you can get away with it. But 10 years down the road, she could just say, well, I felt I was being forced into it. Oh, really? It was rape. Well, no, it wasn't rape, but, you know, well, then if it wasn't rape, what was it? I just didn't feel comfortable. Then it's rape. No, it wasn't rape. I just didn't feel... If you didn't feel comfortable, it was rape. Do you, do you not understand the concept of rape? Rape is... He wants to have sex. You don't. That, I don't know how much more black and white we can make rape there. Rape is he's doing something to you you don't like or that you're uncomfortable with, and he's doing it anyway, and he's not getting a no, but he's not getting a yes. And I know women, there's the instructional you know, oppression. I get that. I understand feminism. I went to college. But there are some women who want the attention, they want money, they want fame. They'll go on CNN and say, oh fuck, they'll go in front of goddamn Senate Judiciary Committee for a Supreme Court nomination and make up utter bullshit that happened in high school. 
regardless of whether it happened or not, it happened in high school. The man was in his late 40s. And who doesn't fool around in high school? There are some people who don't. I didn't. But you're a teenager. Lots of hormones raging. She looks kind of hot. You ask her, hey, you want to go hang out somewhere? We'll bring some beer, smoke some pot, you know. Forty years later, that guy runs for Supreme Court. I don't remember what happened, but I know I wasn't comfortable. You don't remember anything? No. So it was rape? I don't know. Well, <laughs> you don't know. Man, I would love to know if I didn't have pancreatitis. I had a lot of pain in my abdomen, and the doctor said maybe it was pancreatitis. Well, did the doctor say it was pancreatitis? Well, they said it was, but I don't know. Well, the doctor said it was pancreatitis, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, they did say that, but I don't know if they were being honest or whatever. A doctor not being honest. Okay. Well, you know, like that, that can happen. Well, did you get any sort of uh, blood work done that showed that it was? Yeah, it said the lipase le and amylase levels were pretty high, but I just, I still don't know. Is climate change a science issue? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Science? Oh, we believe in science. Science is true. It's 100% true. When it says that the climate is dying, the climate is dying. Well, what about your amylase and lipase levels? I don't know. The climate is dying. Science cannot be disproven. But you have no idea whether or not you have pancreatitis, despite the fact that your blood work says you have pancreatitis. And so does the CT scan, but I don't know. And that's the thing. Nobody knows anymore. Nobody knows. Everyone's too high to figure it the fuck out. Was it rape? No. Okay, then why are we here? I just, I felt uncomfortable. Okay, well, did you want him to put a pillow under your head? Maybe a pillow underneath your, you know, lower back to kind of raise it all up so it gets a little more comfortable. Did you need more alcohol? Yeah, actually, did you need more alcohol? Were you just not drunk enough to have sex? These are questions we must ask of the person who was trying to remember an event that happened 40 years beforehand while she was drunk in high school and young and dumb and whether or not he pulled out maybe full of cum. But we have to remember. She cried. Which means it must be true. No crocodile tears there. But why would she lie? Ever heard of MK Ultra? Yeah, go look that up. We lied about that for years. And by we, I mean the HOA. And by the HOA, I mean the deep state. And by the deep state, I mean the CIA. And by the CIA, I mean, well, the Central Intelligence Agency. But why would the government lie? Yeah. Why would the government lie? 
Why would a person lie? Nobody lies. Actually, everyone's a good, honest person. No one has any reason to lie, especially in front of a Senate committee. Well, Bill Clinton lied about cheating on his wife. If Bill Clinton is willing to lie to Congress and then get impeached over lying to Congress about cheating on his wife, I think a woman can make up some bullshit from 40 years ago. Because, first of all, no one can fact check that. It happened 40 years ago. Anyone have the TARDIS or a time machine? Or let's hop in the DeLorean, Doc, and go figure this one out. Bet you 10 bucks that if we did have the capability to go back in time and verify these claims, she wouldn't have bothered to show up or say anything. And then not only that, but the five other people who had claims against him not only are currently indicted for lying to the FBI, but are probably going to prison for lying to the FBI. One of which was involved with a good friend of ours. What was his name? Avenatti or something like that? Avenatti. Yeah. Law was involved with a guy by the name of Michael Avenatti, who is currently serving a prison sentence for fraud. And, um, it doesn't matter what kind of fraud. You do one kind of fraud, it just shows that you have no ethics. Oh, why would someone who committed bank fraud ever lie about a sexual event 30 years ago? Oh, they only lied about the bank fraud. Oh, well, that's different. Lying about bank fraud, no one who, everyone who commits bank fraud would never lie about sexual harassment. For personal, political, and financial gain. No one would ever do that, except, you know, being part of a media circus and then being given a book deal. And when you get the book deal, you basically just tell your story to someone, they ghostwrite it, and then you put your name on the front cover with your picture where you're smiling, and then you make a couple hundred million dollars. No financial gain there because you're taxed at half of that. Once you go over a certain amount, you get taxed half. So she probably only made $50 million. I mean, whatever. $50 million. Pocket change. Didn't benefit from that at all. Oh, by the way, Jeeves, another rum and coke, no lime, no straw. Thank you. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to go for a J-break, which is where I go hop on my PJ-break, my private jet. And I'll be in my PJs. Actually, no, I don't have a private jet. I do have PJs, though. I can afford those. Or let's talk about the recent transgender stuff. You know, let's make this controversial. They're all talking about how women or men are physically different. And if you've watched the WNBA and you've watched the NBA and you've watched women's golf and you've watched men's golf, um, I accept your defeat. Point proven. LeBron James is dunking 90 points a night. Women's basketball is lucky if they get to 90 points in a night. Either team. <clears throat> Either team. And I know I'm dunking on WNBA right now. It's fun to watch, but, you know, it's not like, you know, the Lakers dropping 120, you know. And the other team dropping 110. Or men's golf. Where's Anna Kordakova? Has she won the Masters lately? Oh, wait, they don't allow women at the Masters. 
Well, let's let women play the Masters. I say do it. I say let women play. Do it. I have no problem with it. And you know that thought just occurred to you. Well, is a woman actually going to win? Yeah. Great question. Glad you thought of it. I don't have an answer to that. Women could win the Masters. We won't know until they're allowed. <laughs> do it. I say do it. I say merge the WNBA and the NBA. Do it. Let women play football. When they get slammed by a 300-pound linebacker and they bitch and moan about how dangerous the sport is, they can go back to, you know, not playing football. What's next? The NFL is going to go to flag football? You just grab someone's flag and, oh, they're down. You got your flag. No, 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 no contact football? I'll tell you right now. If the NFL goes to no contact football, they'll lose over three-quarters of their viewers. They'll go to being pretty much the viewership of the WNBA. Well, women should be allowed to compete. Well, if they want to compete, they have to play by the rules the men do, which in football is getting slammed by a 300-pound linebacker. If a woman can't take being slammed to the ground by a 300-pound linebacker, she should find another sport. Well, that's just mean, Rob. Women should be allowed to play football. You're five foot three and weigh all of 110 pounds. They will murder you. Well, we should make football safer. We'll make it flag football. And your viewership dropped by three quarters. You just lost 40 million viewers. No one will watch it. You're wrong. You're just dead wrong. Well, the XFL had women playing football. And the only way they could get people to watch it is if the women wore barely any clothing. Well, that's just sexist. Well, the majority of people in this country who watch football are men. Women watch football too. Yeah. Because when the football's on, man's not paying attention to her. He's paying attention to the game. And what's the best way for a woman to be getting attention? Do what her man does. That's just sexist, Rob. Okay. Well, go date a guy who's into football, and then on Sunday afternoons, Monday night, Saturday afternoon in the fall, he's not paying attention to you. He's not listening to you. He's eating fried wings, popcorn, potato chips, drinking a beer, drinking a soda, having a cocktail. He's relaxed with his feet up watching the game and he says, honey, I think we should hang out with my mother on Tuesday. And he says, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, no, let's do that. If a man ever says, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that about hanging out with his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law better be Mary, mother of God, because he just put himself in a hole because he wasn't paying attention to you. He's just giving you a canned response so that you'll shut the fuck up so he can get back to watching what is truly important to him at the moment, not you, football. And that's the problem. People want to question everything. They want to question gender roles. They want to question political power. They want to question everything because they were taught by the 60s that we have to question everything. The real problem is 
there's Edward R. Murrow, and then there's John Jacob Jingleheimer dipshit, and there's a wide berth between the questions they ask. Edward R. Murrow asks pointed questions of Senator Eugene McCarthy of the McCarthyism Red Scare, McCarthy, pointed questions about why he is going after people who aren't communist, who aren't a threat to the stability and security of the United States, but are merely just people who have socialist attitudes. You know, it's, you know, like, you know, some movie star says, well, you know, we should be sharing health care with everyone. That doesn't sound socialist to me. That doesn't sound communist. That said the word share. There's a difference between sharing and redistribution. There's a difference between Robin Hood and proper taxation. Robin Hood is stealing from the rich to give to the poor. That's it. There's no intellectual thought behind that. Robin Hood is a bandit. He's a gangster. He's a highway robber. He sits in the trees and waits for what he thinks is something wealthy. He jumps out with swords and threatens the people in the coach, takes their money, takes their wealth, takes anything of value on their body, goes off and pawns it off, sells it, gets some money, and then him and the merry men sit around the campfire going, eating meat, oh yeah. We really scared those people. We robbed them blind at sword point. It was violent. It was aggressive. It was toxic masculinity at its best. Because that's what Robin Hood is. Toxic masculinity at its best. It is a man using the threat of force to steal money from other people. Steal. And then there's socialized medicine, which is not stealing. No. Socialized medicine is a government program in which... Everyone who pays taxes pays into the system. Well, as Marx said, this is where I agree with Marx. Each according to their means, each according to their needs. So if the wealthy have more money, they will pay more than the poor. But this isn't highway robbery. The wealthy will pay a little bit more into the system, a lot more than the poor. And everyone shares that socialized thing. It's not, it is socialism. There's nothing wrong with socialism in and of itself. The problem is communism. And the reason why a lot of people don't understand the difference between communism and socialism is that socialism is a political and economic model and communism is a pipe dream. It is a wet dream. It is a philosophical wank. Communism has actually never existed in the world in the form that Marx talks about on any grand scale. Communism is a bunch of you and your friends get a pig, two chickens, and a couple of cows and rent a farm somewhere. It's agrarian. Communism is essentially, a uns, from today's terms, an uncivilized, basically just agrarian society. Socialism is the idea and that was the big difference between Louis Blanc and, and Karl Marx and Friedrich. Well, Engels understood it. Marx was pushing the philosophical angle, which is hilarious because he said that uh, philosophy is to real life as masturbation is to sex. Which is why Marx is lost on a lot of people. 
um, they read Marx and they think one thing. And, but the problem is Marx and all of them, I, I know we left transgender, but I moved on from that. I already proved my point. Marxism is different from Leninism, which is different from Maoism. And those are the three main branches. Now, there's no Angleism because Angles was... Angles was Robin to Marx's Batman. Angles had a lot of the intellectual ideas that are at the underpinnings of real socialism. Actually, if you look at socialism in any modern country today, it's all based off Engels' work. They just associate it with Marx because his name is, well the more well-known. Marx was the philosophical angle. Marx never solved the social question. And he didn't solve the political question either. Marx was trying to solve the social question, which was this idea, the question social. The social question, or the question social, I, I, I love French, the social question was, how do you solve via the state? What today we would call a political solution. Back then you would have called it a state solution. How do you solve the problem of agrarian poor in an ever-increasing industrialized society? How do you solve that? Marx was thinking ahead. He saw all of the factories. He saw all of these people who used to be farmers moving away from farms into today what we would call a uh, blue-collar labor job. And he foresaw the problem with that. You now have a en masse large population of people being paid very low wages to do back-breaking work. Very dangerous work. When they could have just stayed on the farm and sustained themselves. The big difference between a blue-collar laborer and a farmer is that the farmer is going to grow crops, is going to have uh, livestock. So they'll be able to have protein as well as vegetables to be able to round out a real diet to eat because the farmer is self-sustaining. Whereas a blue-collar worker doesn't have time to go out to the farm and farm because they're in the factory. See what I mean? So the idea there is, is a lot of people don't understand socialism because socialism is founded in this agrarian to industrialized society. It's right there at the very kind of beginning as we talked about earlier, the beginnings of things. Marx will not live to see the full industrialized societies of the, 19th, of the late 19th and early 20th century. He will somewhat see it, but he will not see World War I, industrialized war. He will not see World War II, which is the pinnacle of early industrialized war. And he certainly will not see fully industrialized war of Vietnam, of the Gulf Wars 1 and 2, Bush 1 and 2. He will not see 9-11. He will not see the war on terror. He will not see this complete capability to maintain and stand an army of up to 350,000 troops worldwide, planet-wide. In Marx's time period of the 1850s, 1840s, 1850s, and 1860s, the idea that you could have Napoleonic-sized armies, you know, 250 to 300,000 people or more stationed around the globe was just something coming on the radar of the British, the world empire. The idea that you could position 100, more than 100,000 troops around the globe, the British were just coming into that knowledge. They were just coming into that level of having to maintain that. 
you know, 50 to 75,000 troops in, in, in the crown jewel of India alone. And then 50 to 100,000 troops scattered out th throughout the whole planet elsewhere, sailors, ships, etc. If Mark saw today, he'd be flabbergasted at the size and scope of economies, armies, world order. He would have no idea how to fathom it. Because he had an idea, but his problem was he was stuck in the idea of a nation state. Today we have the United Nations, and you can hop on an airplane from New York City to where Marx wrote his, his treatise, the Communist Manifesto with Engels. And it's about a five-hour trip, six hours, maybe seven. ETOPS is, you know, sometimes they have to stay a little closer to the coast. Sometimes they can just go straight to the ocean. ETOPS, E-T-O-P-S. If you want to research that, that's fine, but I'm not explaining that. You, you can go and look that up yourself. Marx said that each according to their means, each according to their needs. So the wealthy will pay more and the poor will receive more as a, as a direct ratio. So let's say, according to Marx, let's say we're doing, let's say Marx was brought today full up to speed on how healthcare works today. How he would do healthcare is that the rich pay more and receive a roughly equal amount of healthcare to the amount of healthcare they could already afford. Maybe a little bit less than they could afford. So socialized medicine, let's say someone making $100,000 or more a year, if they were to go on a full government program, they would actually receive less healthcare than if they had just bought a private plan. But someone making below the poverty line would be lifted up. And they would receive more health care, or actually they receive health care to begin with, which is more health care. They had zero health care to begin with. Now they have health care beyond what they originally had. So Marx is saying each according to their means, each according to their needs. And, and that is a very dense, packed sentence. It's very compact, it's very dense, and it's extremely intellectual. Because it's saying each according to their means, each according to their needs. There's a rhyme there. Each according to. And then you change the verb or the, the noun at the end. Needs, means. What is means? Means, the averages, their sum, their money. But each according to their needs, which implies they don't have money, they have needs. So the rich will pay more, but the poor will pay into the system as well, but not as much. And therefore, that is sharing. It's kind of like um, I make good money. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and use myself an example. I make incredibly good money. I won't tell you the exact amount, first of all, because it's improper. Um, you never tell someone how much you make even if you're best friends with them. If, they, if you want to be blunt with someone and tell them how much you make, that's fine. But it always, it, you never always worry about that because I have friends who make less than half of what I make. Okay? They'll make less than a quarter sometimes. 
the point is they're still my friend. I like them. I could give two shits about how much money they make. <clears throat> I know some people who make twice as much money as I do. That doesn't make them who they are. And if it does, then I wouldn't be hanging out with them. There have been times where I have given people things that they couldn't afford. I just gave it to them or I bought it for them. Why? I have the money. They don't. But I want them to enjoy what I gave them. They want to enjoy it. They just can't afford it. And I said, fuck it. Who cares? If they feel insecure about it, that's fine. But I want them to have a good life. Like uh, I had a former roommate. Went through a bad time in his life. A divorce. And he lost his kids. He lost custody. He had limited custody where he could only see them certain times a year, blah, blah, blah. And there was this thing that he and his son and his daughter would do where they'd sit around and play on the Xbox. They'd play games like Minecraft or kids' games, stuff like that. They'd all hang out and do multiplayer. Or he'd sit there and watch them play and ask them questions and join in and help them when they were having trouble or got stuck in the video game. But his Xbox died. And for me, there's nothing worse than having to watch a parent lose a connection with their children because their connection was through something, a third-party thing. Like, I've done this for cheaper where, you know, I knew someone who would hang out with their kid and play, you know, Monopoly all the time. Or sorry, or something like that. And I just went out and bought them a new one. 20 bucks. Sure, an Xbox, it's like 300 bucks. I bought the Xbox. I gave it to him for Christmas. And I said, this isn't just for you. This is a Christmas present from me to you and your two kids. And if you do the math split three ways, I was buying $100 gifts for everyone at Christmas that year. Even if I couldn't afford it, the whole point was buy something nice. And I really hope that Xbox is still working. Because he broke down and said, dude, I'll pay you back for something. And I said, no, this is for you and your kids. You know, and then when they're gone, it's for you to deal with all the crap you have to go through. And for me not having to watch you broke down every day, at least watching you sitting there doing something and taking your mind off it instead of drinking yourself into a stupor. You get on and play, you know, that Rocket League game or you're just sitting around playing a sports game or a Call of Duty, whatever, shoot them up. If that's what keeps you from going into a drunken stupor and, you know, becoming an alcoholic from your divorce, then $300... It's worth a lot less than a hospital bill or the pain of having to watch someone die. And there'll be times where people who make more money than me give me shit. It's about paying it forward. I've been given shit that is highly expensive that I don't deserve to have, but someone just gave it to me and I said, you know what, if they, I'm not going to dishonor them or disrespect them. If they want to give me this, I'll take it. Like. I got a really nice couch, <clears throat> five to $6,000 couch for free. All I had to do was come pick it up and take it, take it away. I had to come physically move it. 
I hate that couch. I fucking hate it. It weighs almost 400 pounds. You'll break your back moving that couch. But I also love it because it is one of the best couches I've ever had. And I'm very grateful to people who gave it to me. Just free of charge. Nothing. I just had to come pick it up. I had to rent the truck and come pick it up. So for about 250 bucks to rent the truck and then another 70 bucks for the gas, for, so about 320 and then of course there's food and all that. So about 350 bucks and then of course 400 bucks total. I had to buy everyone who was you know moving this truck with me, beer or dinner or both. So about 400 bucks, I got a $5,000 couch. Worth it. That's the thing that a lot of people don't do these days. They're always about giving people oh i love you let's have a hug oh you're so great oh let's go i'll see you tomorrow a lot of people don't understand and this is something that i've been trying to bring back and i do it subtly i'm not very good at subtle and sometimes i go off on a tangent about it we need to bring back dignity dignity with all the things we covered here charity sharing context what is socialism what's communism what really is socialism other than some bullshit that republicans talk about and democrats talk about what is the transgender problem what is the issue with politics in this country what is the issue with anything beginnings middles and ends what is the issue with context why do people seem to always flail about why are people making shit up and lying for personal gain or political gain whether or not what they're talking about is true you need context like going back to the Kavanaugh thing that I subtly brought up I didn't actually mention his name but we'll bring that up with Kavanaugh if what happened between him and this woman is true, we need to understand the context that they were in high school. Folks, just drop just for one second for me. I know you're listening to this. You may be in private. You just may be laying in your bed listening to me talk. For one second, remember back to high school. Remember that one guy who was so cute? Or that one girl who was just, oh, your heart raced. You thought, oh, man, I'm going to get her flowers, some chocolate. I'm going to ask her out. We're going to go have a great dinner somewhere. And then we're going to go walking around a park, you know. It's going to be beautiful, you know. And, and, and I'm going to listen, see what she has to say. Because I, I just, I want to know what she has to say. I mean, I, I want to know what's in her head, you know. She's so interesting. She's so beautiful. And I'm sexually attracted to her, Yeah. And that's driving me. I want to know everything about her. I want, I want to know, you know, what, what are her greatest fears? You know, I, I, what are her greatest strengths? You know, what does she love? What is she passionate about? You know, what makes her smile? What makes her cry? What is that that controls her? What is, what is her, you know, modus operandi? What is going on in her head? I want to be there because I want to be around her. I want to, every time she speaks, I want to listen. That's what we have to get back to as human beings. We've forgotten 
You know, I know I'm mentioning romance, but it goes beyond that. You know, when I, when I think of my friends. <clears throat> Dude, I wonder what that guy's up to. What's in his head? You know, I see him on Facebook posting. I call him. I never hear back. I wonder what's going on in his head. You know, man? You know? I want to know everything about him right now. I want to, is he okay? You know, I, what's he passionate about right now? You know, this isn't a romance sexual thing. This is, dude, what's going on, man? How's work? How's your life? You know, you're talking to any chicks, you're talking to any dudes, you know, if I have gay friends. Or you're, you're, you know, you're a gay woman, you know, talking to any chicks. The whole point is, what's going on? I got to know. I, I've been thinking about you a lot. I've been wondering about you. You know, what are you up to, you know? We have such a good friendship. I just want to know. I'm, I'm curious. That's what humanity is. We're social. Or, you know, it's not even, not even romance or friendship. I wonder if mom's okay. You know, you think about that. You know, you're just sitting on your bed or you're sitting outside having a cigarette and a quick drink. And you just think, I wonder if my mom's okay. You know, she's got a lot on her plate. She's doing her thing to keep the money flowing for herself and my dad and my dad I wonder what he's doing too you know he's got a lot on his plate too that's what we have to get back to we have to forget all the noise all the noise 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 we're social <clears throat> we care about each other that is important I'm not downplaying emotions or empathy or sympathy it's the level at which they are being forced. I hate forced empathy. I hate forced sympathy. And I hate forced emotion. If it's forced, it's fake. Like with COVID, we all need to be in this together. I get that. We do. We need to all wear a mask. Oh, Rob, you're a big old Trump supporter. You don't wear a mask. Motherfucker, I put on that fucking mask whenever I go out. For two reasons. One, I don't want to get yelled at. Look, I hate rules. But if someone says, you know, I'm a big libertarian heart. Kroger, it's their property. Kroger says, you're not coming in without a mask. I honor and respect Kroger. You know why? Because that's their business. That's a their property. If you're a libertarian, you respect others. That is actually the biggest part of being a libertarian is dignity and respect. You do that, or you're not a libertarian. When Kroger says put on a mask, motherfucker, you put on a mask. Why? Dignity. You're honoring another person by entering. Kroger is a property. It's their home. Sure, it's a business, but from my, the way I think about it, someone's business is their home. Even if it's a multi-state conglomerate, you know, or even international business like Apple. But it doesn't matter. What Apple says happens in their property, you follow. It's kind of like when you go over to your friend's house and they say, hey, can you take off your shoes when you come in the door? Just leave them by the door. You take off your fucking shoes. Hey, can you, can you cover your mouth when you sneeze or cough and you're in someone else's home and they ask you to do that? It's their home, not yours. You cover your mouth. You cover your nose. You, you see what I mean? This isn't about government control. That's the context everyone is missing. Dignity. 
Dignity, dignity. I will hammer this home a thousand times. Dignity, 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 dignity. When you walk into another person's home and they say, hey, look, we have a rule here. We take off our shoes at the front door. We leave them here. I don't want tracking. I just don't want shoes in the house. They're dirty. They, they track everything. It just, it, it, my feng shui gets thrown off. And you say, okay, I'll take out my shoes. You don't come and say, God damn government's making me take off my shoes to come into this person's house. I can't believe you'd make me take off my shoes. I can't believe it. <clears throat> well, you know, maybe if you washed your feet and took a bath every once in a while, no one have to smell your stinky feet. Same thing with the mask. Wear it, please. Just do it for me, if that's any consolation for me. Yeah, do it for Rob. Yeah, we're doing this for Rob. Whole point is... We've lost context, we've lost dignity, we've lost respect for each other, and we've lost our socialness. Socialness, it's a new word. I just coined it. It's going in Urban Dictionary. What I've shown here today is that when you have context and you have understanding, things make a lot more sense, don't they? And when you're not yelling at someone and telling them they're wrong, and that they're an awful person, that they're a fascist and eco-terrorist and a, you know, you're a goddamn Nazi. I didn't come down from the goddamn smoking mountains, cross over the Atlantic, jump out of a fucking airplane and not teach the Nazis a lesson in humanity. Nazi ain't got any humanity. He must be destroyed. That's what the Nazis didn't have. They had no humanity. They had no dignity. No respect, no honor. None. Because if they did, they wouldn't have killed six million people. And then, well, they wouldn't have built an industrial scale mass murder machine with trains running on time, gas chambers, ovens, and internment camps. That's what we have to avoid. You're not getting that with Trump and people at the wall. Everyone loves to throw that at people. Biden's keeping kids in cages, just like Trump. We're not keeping kids in cages. It's not a fucking cage. It's a processing facility. Just like when you go to jail. Sure, it is a jail. They're crossing the border illegally. We're just trying to figure out where they need to go. Whether it's back home or, well, here's your ticket number. Your court date is in about, well, I mean, with COVID now, it's probably 24 to 48 months. Back then it was, no, with COVID, it's probably 72 months. Before COVID, it's 24 to 48 months before your first hearing. But these days, it's probably 72 to 90 months. I mean, some of the immigrants coming in today probably will never have a court date. And that's fine. They weren't going to show up anyway, and I don't want them to because, from my perspective, the more immigrants in this country there are, the more Americans they are, and, well, I'm perfectly fine with more Americans. Rob, you're a big old Trump guy. Why are you fine with immigrants? Well, you know, the more Americans there are, the less of other nations there are. America is the greatest nation of all time, and it will always be the greatest nation of all time. And if you want to come here, come on in. Put your coat up. Throw your hat on the rack. Take your shoes off. Throw your feet up. Stay a while. 
my problem is just letting anyone and everyone come through the border. No background check, no nothing. Because, you know, it's how the 9-11 hijackers came in. They came in through Mexico. They went down to Florida. They somehow got into a flight school. And then somehow, two of them became actual pilots. The rest of them were hijackers. Thing is, they went to flight school. And I'm not talking about well, what you do is you, 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 you start the propeller, you get contact, and then you start the engine, and then you get it going. This is, you know, start the APU. All right. Turning on bleed. Start engine one. Engine one is cycling up, cycling down. It is now at 84%. <clears throat> Turn off bleeds from the APU. Turn on bleed from engine two to engine one. Start engine two. Sorry, it's engine two, then engine one. It's the left engine and the right engine. And then, you know, ATC clearances. You have to have a beacon. You have to have your nav computer. You have to have, forget the name of the little computer in the bottom that calculates your MTOW, your V1, your V2, your V3. Um, The whole point is you need context and I'm not giving you it on that one because I want you to research it because when I start throwing out acronyms, I'm throwing it out of context to prove to you that I can talk to you about pretty much everything and anything and you'll listen. You may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm making an analogy and you'll just throw it in the back of your head. What's MTOW? I don't know. What's V1? No idea. What's VR? Not virtual reality. There's V1, VR, V2, V3. V3 is not as important, and V2 is secondary importance, but the two main ones are V1 and VR. V in lowercase r. Look them up. And what is MTOW? Well, let's see if Google will take you where you need to go. It will. It's the first result. But you will research that because when given things out of context you need to do your own research because otherwise mm. do you really know what you're talking about because i sure as hell don't